Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here with episode 258 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for being here with me today. And over the next four weeks, at least, we're going to be going through some hands from a $1,000 buy-in World Series of Poker event that I played. And a lot of these illustrate some mistakes that people make on a very regular basis that I want to be sure that you do not make. So, let's get right into it. In this situation, folds around to me in the small blind, playing 8,000 deep at 50, 100, and I have pocket twos. So, certainly not a great hand, but this is definitely a hand we want to play. And in my mind, you really have only two options. You can either limp, or you can raise rather large, like 350 or 400. If you raise to 200, well, what does that accomplish? Well, if your opponent's anywhere near decent at all, they're never going to fold, right? So really, we're just making the pot bigger with a hand that's going to win 50-ish percent of the time from out of position, which really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Same reason raising doesn't actually make a lot of sense, because if I raise, I can get re-raised, so that's not ideal. Um, if you do make it 350, at least you have the opportunity to win the pot pre-flop, which is fine. But I typically like limping in these spots. I do limp, the opponent raises to 350, and now we know we have an easy call, right? We're 80 big blinds deep, we can easily set mine. And if we get a pretty uncoordinated flop, we can stick around at least to the turn, or maybe even until the river. We'll see. Flop comes jack, 7-3. I check, the opponent bets 500. So now, I always want to ask, do we have a lot of made hands here that can very easily continue? And if you think about this, in this scenario, we probably have a lot of jacks, a lot of sevens, a lot of threes, but not a whole lot else. A lot of our other hands are going to be gut shot straight draws, like 10-9, 9-8, um, backdoor flush draws like queen, ten of diamonds, maybe some ace high type hands. Really, there aren't a whole lot of great hands in my range right now. So this is one of these spots where I need to make sure I'm defending often enough. Otherwise, my opponent can just blindly raise preflop and then blindly bet the flop, and then I'm going to get run over. So you really don't want to get run over, so you do have to stick around in these scenarios. I know it doesn't feel great calling the pocket twos because, well, most turns are going to be bad for you, and you're going to have to fold to a lot of aggression on later betting rounds. That said, I think it's fine just to call and see what develops. Also, every once in a while we get a two, which will be fantastic. So let's call. You may say, well, perhaps we should raise in this spot, thinking that if we raise, it's going to make our opponent play um, pretty straightforwardly. And while that may be true, unless you make a big raise, which, you know, if you made it 2,000, I don't think that would be insane. Um, if you make it smaller, your opponent's going to call with all of the draws and then play reasonably well on the turn. So if you are going to raise, you want to make it on the big side with the idea that if I do get called, I'm just done. So there certainly are opponents you can raise big against and they will fold way too often. Um, so that's that's also a consideration, right? Like if you know in this scenario your opponent's going to connect with this board, let's say 35 or 40% of the time, if you raise to, let's say, 2,000, well, you only need to pick it up 55-ish percent of the time. And if well, I just told you they're only going to have a good hand 40% of the time, so that means they're going to they're going to fold out 60%. You only need them to fold 55, so you're going to make a tiny bit of profit doing that. So that is definitely a consideration, and it's a pretty strong play if your opponents fold too much. But in a tournament, I'm not a huge fan of making rather big bluffs in general, just because one or two failed bluffs ends up putting you on the sidelines. That said, this is early in a tournament, so going broke isn't that big of a deal because we're nowhere near the money. Uh, but again, it is a relatively soft $1,000 buy-in tournament, so we need to be pretty inclined to not go broke. However, very often you do chip up by taking risky lines. We turn it to, <laughs> that's good, 
Every once in a while, whenever you do call with a low pair, you are going to turn the set and your opponents are not going to suspect it at all. So some people look at this scenario and think, should we lead? And I think the answer is definitely no. The times you want to lead are when the board is... Whenever the board changes significantly to favor you, right? And in this scenario, what really changed on the turn in general? And the answer is nothing in terms of my whole range. But um, for my exact hand, it did. But like, what if I had pocket fours? I certainly wouldn't, would not want to lead here. What if I had eight, seven? I would certainly not want to lead. So leading does not make much sense with our whole range at all. I check. Then my opponent surprises me. He decides to go all in for um, my 7,000 chips into the 1,700 pot or 1,800 pot. I don't care what the opponent has. This is a significant blunder. In my mind, the only hands that make sense for this play are 5-4 of diamonds, maybe? 6-4 of diamonds? 6-5 of diamonds? Maybe something like 10-8 of diamonds? Basically, draws that don't have much showdown value, that have a lot of equity. And then also a few hands like jack three or jack two or seven three or seven two that are very susceptible to being outdrawn and you may think that the opponent doesn't have too many jack threes but a lot of people will raise with their really bad hands preflop from the big blind which is a fine play after someone limps so those hands are certainly viable too that said in this scenario i crushed that whole range right so clearly we have an easy call um, do not find big folds in these spots a lot of people think oh no i could be against a set but if your opponent plays a set this way, they are throwing all of their value in the trash because it's just bet small because most likely I'm drawing nearly dead, right? So obviously we're going to easily call, but whenever you do see someone make a gigantic overbet in spots like this, you always want to ask, what are they doing and what does this say about their range and their overall strategy? And if the opponent shows up with one of the hands that does make some sense, like the draws, well then maybe it's just fine. But if they do show up with a hand like top pair or middle pair or just king queen of spades then you know they're a lunatic and that's very important going forward in the future so anyway we call the opponent turns up jack 10 of clubs for top pair bad kicker which is a horrible hand to play this way you may ask why don't you want to get protection from the draws well first off there aren't a whole lot of draws available and of the draws that make the most sense they're just gut shot straight draws right so those are drawing almost dead next when you jam what's going to call you well I just told you, I think his jamming range should be a lot of two pairs. So what's going to call you? Like good two pair and better? So how does Jack-10 do against good two pair and better? The answer is horribly, right? So in this scenario, Jack-10 of clubs needs to make a small bet because you're not worried about getting outdrawn and you're trying to get called by a lot of marginal junk like 8-7 or ace-high or 6-4, right? You're trying to get called by a very weak range. And when you have a hand that you want to bet for value, you want to, that is not great, right? You very often want to make a smaller bet size because you're trying to get called by marginal stuff. And it, a lot of people just will not call bigger bets with marginal stuff, which means if you bet big, you will not get value. So anyway, he's drawing dead. I won. And um, this is something that does happen a lot in small stakes tournaments that a lot of small stakes players don't appreciate. Um, as you move up in stakes, you will not see players making these mistakes. Um, I get sent in hand history from players who just think they're amazing at poker pretty much, where essentially this stuff happens to them all the time. They get gifted chips over and over and over again, and it's just not going to happen as you move up. So that's going to be it for today. Thank you very much for being here. Good luck in your games, and I'll talk to you next week.